0: Bolton, and you are tuned into My Turning Point, where I'm joined today by longtime Fred Mike Posner. Uh, as you will hear, Mike and I bonded over a very strange, intense listening session right after his dad passed and my mom passed. So we've known each other for a while, and always great to catch up with him and delve into the weirdness of fame, his plans to climb Mount Everest, his views on music, fame, and much more. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Great to catch up with Mike. Thanks. Dude, it's been a minute. Yes, sir. How you been? I'm great, man. Golden. Well, I mean, you know, it's so funny because now you're famous again. How does it feel to be famous again?
1: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I've been through <laughs> through that roller coaster so many times,
0: right? <laughs> I feel... uh. I feel really good right now. I feel really good right now. Yeah, it's funny. I was just telling Jamie before you came on about how you and I became buddies, which was like that really intense listening experience up at that house on yeah. Holland, you know? Yeah. So, and that started quite a journey for you. Let's, uh, so funny, by the way, we're talking about cat's sitting here staring at me like to go outside. But So what's, what's sort of a turning point moment that you want to talk about that brought you to here today, about to climb everest next week, and uh all that stuff
1: i think I think my dad's death coupled with uh Vici's death um when it's so funny I just got off the phone with a good friend of mine who whose brother just died like five minutes ago. I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, But one of the things we were talking about is how death can be such a powerful and potent reminder of what being alive means and how special it is. You know, all of us, I'm probably the worst at it, forget. We go through life. We get swept up in the mundanity of it all. We get lost in the weeds. And we fall out of touch with what really matters to us. And when someone you love dies, it's like someone dumps a... It's like you're sleeping and someone dumps a bucket of ice water on you or something. You wake up. and. And so those two deaths, um, they, they reminded me of what I wanted to do before I died. You know? And hopefully that's no time soon, but I'm not totally in control of that. Uh, and, and so the thing I really wanted to do before I died was, was to walk across America. And it was something I'd been putting off for four or five years. You know, uh, and something had always come up—oh, a new album or a new tour, or this kind of thing. But when when Avicii died, when Tim died, I just thought, man, I got to go do that walk. I got to do that walk this year. You know, if I don't do it this year, I'm never going to do it. And then I look at the cascade of events. You know, after the walk and how that changed who I am and how it just changed my whole life and sort of obliterated the box that I was living inside. And I say that that's the turning point, man. That's the turning point. Well,
0: it's so interesting because, you know, going through those deaths and all that, you had a chance to get a perspective. That you know, a lot of people really didn't get into the last year. And it's funny, because I've talked with literally hundreds of artists in the last year, everyone from Stevie Nicks and Geta to Tim McGraw and Ozzy Osbourne. And it's like, you know, everyone's sort of had a wake-up call in the last year dealing with COVID and a new perspective. And it's interesting for you. How does you know going through everything that you did then tie in with now everyone sort of being in this place of like, uh, well, everyone's had to sort of reassess their priorities and I've joked about it with hundreds of artists, but it's true. It's like most people really will change and evolve. And of course you'll get the occasional douchebag who's like, well, I have to get into the right Coachella party. But, you know, <laughs> most people have grown and evolved in this. So it's interesting. Are you seeing a difference in people and are you seeing a difference in how you're dealing with the music industry? Like, in other words, people sort of maybe catching up to where you were.
1: I don't know if i really noticed that big of a difference, honestly, in, in other people as a whole, you know, maybe there's certain people that are relationships, you know, but I haven't, I don't know, I haven't collected enough evidence and I probably don't talk to as many people as you do. So maybe you're (laughs) a better person to ask for those macro trends, but I don't know that I've really seen that much of a difference in, in people.
0: Well, it's interesting for you, though, having had the year off where you were forced to, you know, again, so you basically after Tim passed, you know, after your dad passed, you were like, you need to do this walk. And then, of course, you know, you come back to, well, you were bitten by the rattlesnake, which then delayed the walk. So you were forced to have time to contemplate. And now in COVID, where everyone was forced to have time to contemplate. So it's interesting for you in all of this. Do you have a new appreciation for music like when you can actually get back out on the road? Does it make you more excited to do so because you have had so much time away from it? Some intentional, some unintentional.
1: Actually, kind of all of it intentional for me, the way it's played out. Uh, I, I finished the walk and I started training for Everest basically two weeks later. And I've been doing that now for a year and a half and getting ready to go to Nepal here in like nine days or something so um for for that climb um so my life hasn't changed too much like before the pandemic started my coach and I Dr. John we were climbing tons of mountains and the pandemic started and we kept climbing tons of mountains so I I was kind of blessed in that way I didn't have a big tour planned or anything like some of my my friends um, but do I miss playing? Yeah, but uh, I've sort of chosen not to for this this period of time anyways and um, yeah, that's sort of how it is but you know, I think artists you know, this is kind of moved tangentially off my own point uh, <laughs> a lot of us, we've spent a lot of time alone in rooms you know you look at somebody who plays the guitar really well or the piano or sings really well. Like that didn't just happen. You know, they spent an absurd amount of time alone in a room learning how to do that for you, you know, and also for themselves, but also for you. And so I think artists, maybe myself, especially my friends joke with me, like when the quarantine stuff started, they say, Posner, you've been training for this, huh? You know, for me to spend a day alone with the guitar is, n- is not a, <laughs> not an extraordinary event. So uh, I felt a little bit prepared, more prepared than maybe other people.
0: Well, it's so it's so okay, so you started training for Everest two weeks after That's you right. say you finished the walk. So right. what, did the walk inspire the idea that you wanted to do Everest or was that something you always wanted to do even before you finished the walk? A hundred percent of some, you know, you
1: I had thought about, but I didn't believe it was actually on the menu until, until I did the walk. <laughs> you know, that snake bit me. I went to the hospital five nights. My leg was jacked up. When, you know, I couldn't walk. And I went back to the spot that the snake bit me at once I healed. And within a month, I had, I had uh, walked over up and over the Rocky mountains, I crossed the Rockies. And that's when I started to dream about it was being in those mountains in in Colorado. And so, um, you know, I, I always say, I like, I like goals that change your goals. So once I did the walk, it obliterated this image I had of myself. And I realized how small my self image of myself was, you know, compared to what I'm actually capable of. And I'm still exploring that, you know, I still don't know what I'm fully capable of. I, I started to walk thinking, you know, I think there's a little more inside me. And by the time I finished, I thought wrong There's a lot more inside you do. And so, uh, yeah, like I didn't know it was on the menu, man. And I think about like, if I could tell, you know, 10-year-old or 12-year-old Mike, like, you will walk across America and God willing, I'll be able to, you know, summit Mount Everest. Um, like, I, went, I didn't even think to dream this stuff, man. That's how cool I think it is. So I feel so blessed I get to do this stuff, man.
0: It's amazing. Now, it's so interesting for you. I mean, why Everest as opposed to, and and it's funny, once you started to research it, you know, what did you find out about, you know, I guess, you know, what does it take to climb Everest? What does it entail?
1: Well, that's a good point. Before I like really, you know, so when I, I was in on the walk, I was just dreaming about it. But then, you know, I had to really understand the risk before I committed to it, because, I care about integrity and what integrity means to me is you do what you say and that your word means something. So uh, kind of a package deal with integrity comes being careful what you say you're going to do, you know, and thinking about it. So I had to understand the risk and and do some real research. That doesn't mean just like remembering bits and pieces of, of news narratives, you know, you heard over the years. That's not research. I mean, like reading all the books of people who have done it, uh, talking to people who have actually been there and summited, et cetera. And so once I had done that, um, I realized I was comfortable with the risk and I still am. I'm comfortable with the risk of climbing Everest. Everest is the tallest mountain in the world, but it's far from the most dangerous and, um, you need you need skills. From what I understand, obviously I haven't been there yet, but from what I understand and what my coach, Dr. John, explained to me, you know, you need the the skills of climbing mountains, and we've climbed a lot of mountains together. You need to know how to use your ice axe, self arrest, the crampons, all all this good stuff. And I certainly do now. Um, so it for me it involved a lot of training, man, because I didn't know anything. You know, <laughs> I was starting from scratch, uh, but the last year and a half have just been a blast in the, you know, whatever happens when I get there, I'm leaving with a, a brother in my coach, Dr. John Kudrowski. I've just been in some of the most beautiful places in the world with him training. So, um, I just feel so grateful, blessed. I get to go to Nepal and like go to this amazing place and, You know, God willing, if I feel good and the the weather is okay, um, I'll go to the summit. And if not, I I won't. I will turn around and I will stay safe and I can always try again next year if I want to. Well,
0: it's interesting. If the weather's safe and you're able to do it, I'm curious, like, is there a rough estimate of how long it's supposed to take and everything?
1: It's about a two-month trip all in um, from when I leave to when I come back to the States. Um, But some of that is going there. A lot of it is waiting for the right weather window. Um, And then there's, it involves a climatization round. So you sort of go partially, uh, uh, up the mountain partially and then stay there, camp out and come back down. And what that does is allows the body to acclimatize. Um, So the actual summit push be four days, Um, but it's a process that took 18 months, you know, to get there.
0: Yeah. It's interesting for you. Let's tie this in. How does all of this tie in with your music? I mean, because it's interesting. I talk about this with so many people, right? And whether I'm talking with Brandon Boyd and Serge Tankin, who are painters, ASAP Rocky about design or, you know, whoever it is, Patti Smith about poetry, whatever your different interests are, ultimately still as an artist, they tie back in. So it's interesting for you as you've explored all these different things and gone to all these different places and you had the experience of, you know, and it's funny, again, Dude, I, I love the Operation Wake Up. And it's like, because again, you and Thank I have Thank you talked, for listening. And I, dude, and also, well, you and I have talked also, so I know you, and obviously, you know, I talked to, like you said, I talked to so many people. I know how fame fucks with people, and it's such a weird thing to have a hit song. And then, you know, two years later, you're in People Magazine for being bitten by a rattlesnake.
1: Why <laughs> <laughs> only I can say that? <laughs>
2: Uh, no, but man, to
1: answer your question, how this stuff ties into the music, man, it's it's in two ways, and it's m- so much deeper than people ever know. So when I do my walk, I'm listening. T- I'm listening. I know the difference of how Kansas sounds when the sun sets to how New Jersey sounds when the sun rises. I know the difference between the birds in Illinois. In arizona and a lot of times i'm recording this stuff too as i go you know i i tap into a really deep moment as i'm walking or as i'm climbing and and i'll record the stream you know that that's like in the thawing river in the springtime or um (laughs) you know like all these amazing different sounds and those sounds often make it into my music. Sometimes they're on a track that's turned down to a point that it's inaudible, but they're still there in the music, layered in. And so it's, it's just so much deeper than a pop song, it, it like the layers that go into the stuff we do, um, and like literally the experience. Of walking two thousand eight hundred fifty one miles you imagine the emotion of finishing that or the pain in your feet and and recording how the birds sound like in Colorado or Illinois as you take a break and a, and a you know 18 year old showed up that day to walk with you like that moment I have captured audib- aud- i don't know audibly I have that captured sonically you know I record it and I put it into my music so it 's layered in that 's a direct correlation from you know these extra musical uh activities into the actual music but then there's a more um indirect or dare I say spiritual uh connection and I'll use an example eight years ago I had just made love to my girlfriend and we were laying down and Redemption song by Bob Marley came on. And I am sitting there listening to Redemption Song by Bob Marley. And which is is maybe my favorite song ever. And I'm thinking to myself, I know all the chords in this song. I can play them all on guitar. And I can sing all the melodies in the song. I can hit all the notes. And I know all the, all the words that make up the lyrics are in my vocabulary. I know them all. So why have I not written a song this beautiful, in my opinion? The space between me and writing something that beautiful did not lay in my skill set. I wasn't going to cover that delta. I wasn't going to... Um, get to that place of artistic beauty, of aesthetic beauty by sitting in a dark room in West Hollywood. I wasn't going to get there by even practicing my guitar. Quincy Jones said, the deeper the human you are, the deeper the musician you are. And that's true. And that's true. So as I walk across America, as I train to climb Everest and as I go to climb Everest, in the next month or two, hopefully, that's making me a deeper human, and hopefully, that makes me a deeper musician too. And I have no reason to believe that won't be the case. When I look back on my discography, I've made eleven projects now, and they've gotten deeper and deeper as I as I go. I want not say better or worse; but people like different things. I don't take that away from them, but. I think it's, you know, undeniable they've gotten deeper. So that's, that's well, the only so way.
0: When you look back at the stuff that's come since the Walk of America and stuff, you know, do you find yourself then, I mean, are there, do you find yourself getting close? And here's the interesting thing about it, right? Because I talk to, again, hundreds of artists and every artist is a perfectionist. So you're never going to get to the place of writing Redemption Song. Not you, any artist is never going to get there because they never feel like they're quite where they want to be because as an artist, you can't achieve perfection because if you achieve perfection, what do you do next? But what you can do is you can get closer. So do you feel like you've gotten closer to being that artist since finishing the walk across America? And obviously you haven't, you haven't climbed Everest yet. So you don't know how that will have impact your music, but do you see a difference in the music post walking across America? Yeah. And uh, honestly, I, I haven't really st- made
1: much well I've made stuff between but I haven't sat down to make an album yet I just launched into this next project of climbing so I definitely write songs between training and this kind of thing but the main focus has been training so we'll see you know we'll see after I finish I plan to take some time to really like put something together but uh, I just don't see how it can you know, I just don't see how it can. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not very worried about it at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's not worried about it. It's just interesting as an artist, because as I say, I don't think as an artist, you can ever get to, you know, I always use the example. I mean, if Coltrane had felt that a Love Supreme was the best work he could ever do, even though everybody else in the world thinks it's perfect, if he thought it was perfect, well, then what's there left to do? Once you achieve perfection and as an artist, what's there left?
1: Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: So, Izzy. By the way, at a total separate note, please. I hope it's funny because I was talking about this with you. You know the country artist Cam? No, she's a really cool woman. Uh, CAM. She's a big country artist, and we were talking about her new album and how it had a Netflix feel to it. Oh my god, Operation Wake Up just needs to be a fucking Netflix series. Like that needs to be those songs, those vignettes. Turned into like it, like an eight-part series. I would watch that in a heartbeat. So I'm going to put you on the spot. If it was going to be made into a series, who would you want to star in it? I don't know. I never thought about that.
1: Who do you think could play me? Shit, oh. I don't
0: know. I don't even know current actors. I, well, Who's it's funny that kid the- I
1: love? Who's that kid I love? He's so good. Oh, man, I'm going to look it up my phone real quick.
0: I mean, why couldn't you, Timothy Chalamet? Timothy Chamolet okay he's fire
1: i'm not Wait, but, saying he i'm not saying he looks like me or nothing like that i just think he's a amazing actor so that would be pretty cool if he played me
0: yeah i mean it's funny because like when you go back in and, and it's it's interesting because obviously it's a serious nature but it's also you know does it in a way that's engaging and it's funny. Can you look at it now and sort of step back and be like, all right, I can see where this has a a cinematic quality to it, or at least a like there's a very, you know, like a very thorough through line of, it takes you through literally a day or two. And it's so funny because during this time, I became re-obsessed with the movie American Sweethearts. I don't know if you ever saw it with John Cusack, Billy Crystal, Catherine Zeta-Jones. If you never saw it, it's absolutely, it's so good, but it's funny because it just, nails Hollywood so well That's part of the reason it's so fun and you know operation wake up just nails the shit out of what life is like, in know, LA. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. In, in this very like narrow, like niche community that we're in of, of music, uh, the music industry, I, I, I think it does a good job, at least of what it, of what it's like for me to, to navigate that and how hollow it is sometimes. Um, but yeah, for your listeners that don't know, Operation Wake Up is a album. I use that term loosely that I put out. That uh, basically is a, a fictional story. It goes through a a day in my life, but it's a fictional day. The main character is me, but uh, none of the stuff actually ever happened. But um, it's uh, a lot happens without giving the, the story away. <laughs>
0: Well, I was just gonna say, how much of it though is based upon, you know, even if those exact moments didn't happen, how much of it is based on stuff that, you know, closely happened or, you know, or or that you saw through other people?
1: Well, all of it's, you know, loosely based on reality. Otherwise, it has no bearing. But um, but yeah, none of this stuff actually happened. And and actually that's like a big compliment I get from people because people will say like well like are you in black bear okay like you know he he didn't really do that i'm like no of course not like he's my friend you know and it's like so uh yeah i think that's a that's a compliment and that was a little bit of my goal to to blur the where reality started and 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 ended and where the fiction started <laughs> where we so where fiction started rather
0: but but speaking of that, by the way, and we'll wrap up in a minute, but now I'm so curious by the way, too, did you actually get people from l a who were just like you know a little uh <laughs> maybe a little bent out of shape about like, wait, dude, why are you talking about my shit or like you know like they felt like it was too close to home uh
1: yeah, not one hundred percent of the people mentioned the album were happy about it, but Most of them were. Most of them were.
0: (laughs) But it's so interesting. When you do a project like that as well, I mean, obviously, like I say, it's lighthearted, but it also talks about the difficulties of fame and how that messes with people. And, you know, again, we started off talking about Tim at the beginning and it's like there's lighthearted stuff that comes from a record like that at the same time. Fame is no joke. It's not something to be taken lightly. I mean, for you, when you do an album like that, does it make you think about things that you're like, oh, okay, it gives you a perspective on on what you've actually dealt with and how to sort of deal with it. And maybe, you know, being in a place to be able to deal with all the, you know, attention and the trials and tribulations and all the weird shit that comes with it. I think
1: I'm doing a pretty cool job. I don't know. I basically just left that place (laughs) and I'm going to like all the most amazing places and like having these life changing life experiences. So uh, that's been working for me at least the last couple of years. We'll see, we'll see how it all plays out. But I agree, man. Fame is not healthy and Tim's death really reminded me of that. And then, you know, that year i think several months later mac miller died and you know i just thought like hey like i should like go get out and like do this other stuff while i still can you know um like yeah th- it's it's kind of dangerous you know and and you see how it happens you get you silo yourself away where everyone around you works for you and um it, it, it like your your sense of reality can become very unbased and unsupported uh, when when like the the ten fifteen people you see every day are all being paid by you you know that like it sounds like just like a silly thing, but like it really can fuck your head up in a in a very real way and you can imagine uh living in an environment like that year after year after year after year and and i'm sure you've spoken to some artists like (laughs) that are you know older whatever and and like they think their jokes are a little funnier than they really are and and you know like they think like they're more entertaining than they really are and and it's sad it's sad because they've they've siloed themselves off from the world and I wanted to do, and I still want to do the exact opposite. I want to connect with the world. I want to, um, like, I don't want to isolate myself from reality. I want to be a part of it. And that's part of what my life is about.
0: You know, it's so interesting because and again, we'll wrap up in a minute, but this is really fascinating to me because I was talking with Amy Lee from Evanescence not long ago and she was talking about family and stuff and. You know, how as an artist, a lot of times when you have success early on, you have to recommit to music. You have to make the decision that this is what I want, especially when you're dealing with people now who have success when they're fucking 17, 18 years old. It's like, well, just because you have a hit record when you're 17, 18 doesn't mean that, you know, that's what you still want to do when you're 30 or 40 or, you know, whatever it is. So it's interesting for you. Do you now find like, I mean... I guess, you know, as you deal with all this other stuff and you think about all these other things, do you think about where music fits in for you? You know, like, is it the thing that you now see yourself doing for your whole life compared to other things? Or is it something that you come back to on occasion?
1: Well, I'm always doing it. It's just a part of life. And I can't imagine life without music because it's just so beautiful. I mean, oh, it it's everything my, you know, like it's everything. Um, so by doing it, there's a, like, we should define what that is. Like is writing songs at home and, or recording and like, you know, doing sessions and, and discovering and like stumbling upon beautiful things and like creating a song that didn't exist, you know, an hour ago, like, yeah, that will always be a part of my life. Um, where I'm like full throttle going on tour, doing press runs, all that stuff. That's something I take breaks from and we'll come back to, you know, as long as I feel like coming back to it. Um, but probably not forever. I don't think I'm going to be like 50 years old, like doing interviews with Z 100 and, you know, trying to get my new, (laughs) new hot (laughs) single, (laughs) you know, in power rotation. Like, um, I think I'll, 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 uh, you know, phase into producing other artists and writing for other artists and, and that kind of thing and developing younger people as well. Um, so yeah, but music is, there, is, it's so beautiful, man. It's so beautiful.
0: Is there that dream artist for you to produce or write for?
1: <sighs> Shoot. There's so many, you know, you look around the world and how lucky are you, man? You get to talk to all these amazing people Um, I think of just how many geniuses there are in the world Uh, the first person that comes to mind is Labyrinth you know he's just he's just on another level Uh, but there's so many there's so many artists that you just think like yeah I would take a year or two out of my life and just help you get the perfect album and I wouldn't stop until it's right and we would do it you know and uh there's people out there like that you just look in their eyes and they glow and you know you watch them start doing their thing and you're like thinking man how how lucky am i you know occasionally when i work with labyrinth you know he's he's like probably my favorite singer alive Uh, sam cook's my favorite singer ever but you know lab is one of if not my favorite singers alive and occasionally I get to sit in a room with him and help him decide what to sing. And that's a pretty cool job. <laughs>
0: you know? Cool. What do you want to add? We didn't talk about. That's well, it, gonna, man. I appreciate uh, you. Go ahead though. You got more. I was going to say, I didn't ask you about, uh, I didn't ask you though about mama always told me. So just tell me, was that like a one-off? Is that something that, you know, you just did for fun Is that, like, have you been doing a lot of writing and music during COVID? I've
1: written a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of ideas for Mansions. Um, Just random stuff, and, you know, I'm an album guy, as you know, and I appreciate you, because you've actually listened to my albums. And I know that's kind of a tough ask (laughs) these days, you know, (laughs) somebody to listen, like, take 30 or 45 minutes to listen. I actually love,
0: by the way, not to cut you, I just, I I love the fact that you did that on Operation Wake Up Too, where you're like, if you can't listen to it for 36 minutes, then turn it off.
1: Yeah, it's just come back later when you can do it, you know, otherwise, because Operation Wake Up is a piece, as you know, and if you just skim through it, it kind of sucks, I would imagine, you know, so it's like, if you want to go down this this rabbit hole with me, you should know it's a rabbit hole. You know, it's not, it's not like 10 songs that I did with the 10 hottest producers and just, you know, put them in an order, in an order, like a playlist, like it's an album and it's a story. So, um, I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, mama, mama is yes, the opposite. Yes. Mama is just a song I had that like never fits on any album, but I love the song. So just we just put it out
0: cool well hopefully i mean I, I doubt you know when you're in everest you're not going to be dropping much music but you know hopefully by the end of it, it'll be very curious to catch up after and see what in this inspires hey steve i appreciate you buddy always good talking to you dude good luck All right. peace thank you hey, see ya. hey this is steve balton you have been listening to my turning point with special guest mike posner thanks
2: When it comes to LASIK, Dr. Boutros and the Eye Center have led the way for the past 25 years. Today, this tradition continues by being one of the few practices in the country to offer you Eye 2.0, using the same technology as the NASA James Webb Telescope. And in the hands of an elite surgeon like Dr. Boutros, more patients are seeing 2020 or better after LASIK. Right now, enjoy 20% off LASIK with Eye design. Go to theeyecenter.com or call 888 844 2020. Some restrictions apply.